Kozo Zampola. You are listening to Bhutan Dialogues, a platform to discuss ideas and issues in development. Bhutan Dialogues is the joint initiative of the Loading Foundation and the United Nations in Bhutan, held every second Thursday of the month in Timpu. I am Azusa Kubota. The host of the conversations and the guest for this session is Mr. Kama Yonten, the founder and the CEO of Greener Ways, to discuss leading towards a greener way. This dialogue has three parts. Mr. Punto Namge, the Executive Director of the Loading Foundation, will introduce the session, followed by my conversation with the guest. The session ends with the Q&A with the live audience. Good afternoon. On behalf of the United Nations in Bhutan and the Loading Foundation, both organizers of Bhutan Dialogues, I'd like to welcome you to the 29th session of Bhutan Dialogues, which is being live streamed right here from the UN House in Kaohsiungsa Temple. We started this project, uh, Bhutan Dialogues, about two years, nine months ago, and we have had this opportunity to bring to you thought leaders, uh, change makers, role models from all walks of life, and deliver to you important uh, constructive discussion, uh, discussions on important themes. So if you wish to look at some of our past sessions, we encourage you to uh, visit our website at www.potandialogues.pt and from there you can even uh, you can move on to our YouTube channel and also download podcasts for the previous sessions if you prefer audio files. The theme today uh, for the 29th session is leading towards a greener way and we are very thrilled to introduce to you our next guest speaker for today, Mr. Kamu Yenten. Um, Karno is the founder and CEO of Greenaway, and uh, he started his journey as one of the Bhutan's first uh, citizens to turn waste, uh, waste management and recycling into a viable business. It's been about uh, over 10 years now since he started his business, and currently he collects on average 25 tons of waste from Central Temple each day. Karma has also been able to create some seven to employment in his, uh, through his business and in addition to collecting waste, his business also produces eco-friendly recycled poles that can be used for various purposes. Um, currently, uh, he has recycled more than 180 tons of waste and turned them into um, recycled poles. And his recent endeavor includes working very closely with the Ministry of Health in taking up the challenge to collect uh, waste that are waste that is being that are being generated from designated quarantine areas through the loading UNDP COVID response fund. Uh, I'm happy to introduce to you um, Asuza Kubata, who heads the United Nations Development Program here in Bhutan, resident representative, and the host for our uh, dialogue today. Um, Asuza started working for the United Nations since 2002 and has worked in several countries in Africa, Asia, and the Pacific, including the United Nations headquarters. So without much further ado, we would like to get started with the session today. And as usual, at the end of the session, there will be a session where you can ask your questions for the guest speaker. And in order for you to ask your questions, we request you to write down your questions on the comment section of the live stream right below. And then our colleagues will read out the questions at the end of the session. So thank you, and we wish a very enjoyable time. Over to you, Lamas. Thank you so much for the introduction. Um, welcome to the audience, to the Bhutan Dialogues. And I'd like to welcome our friend, 
Kama, you're good. Thank you very much. I have been in your position being interviewed before, but I have to say this is my first time interviewing. So please bear with me, but I'm sure we'll have a wonderful conversation and great fun. So thank you for being with us this afternoon. So Kama, I've known you as the king of waste in Bhutan. Um, as we all know, with the rapid urbanization, rapid changes in the ways we live, modernization, waste management is becoming a big problem everywhere and also in Bhutan. Um, so for me, you are a personification of two buzzwords in Bhutan. One is that entrepreneurship and the other one is waste management. So you are a big hero to me. And today I really <coughs> want to learn from you uh, what inspires you to be in the business of waste management, yes. right? Who are you? <coughs> I've known you in a professional uh, context. Punzo yes. uh, talked about Lord and UNDP uh, partnership. I have visited your recycling plant. But as a person, um, what is your journey like? What are the challenges you have faced? Yes. Tell us a little bit about yes. your journey. Uh, thank you very much, uh, indeed, uh, to have me here. Currently, uh, say if I have to introduce myself, uh, was known as a trash man. I started my venture as a trash man <coughs> in the year 2010. But now I can say that uh, I'm one amongst the trash men. There are a lot of uh, young people who have ventured in this. Uh, industry now. Failed entrepreneur, uh, you know, twice failed entrepreneur before venturing out as a garbage man. Entrepreneur by choice, trash man by chance. That is how I explored my garbage business. Scavenging ideas, having failed in two previous ventures. Um, discovered my passion more. Uh, then after that, feeling that you know, waste management is something that I could really take on. Is an average witness having a dream, a small dream, trying to uh, live up to the expectations of my family and my friends around. Average witness, when I say average witness, I belong to that bottom of the pyramid, so I have a dream uh, to do something very different and to contribute to, the, uh, to my country in the capacity I can, you know. And, for me to set up a waste management industry, I think that was the right time uh, when waste, waste was getting uh, mismanagement and there were a lot of uh, problems of waste getting mismanaged, you know, thereby a uh, timely thing for me to venture out as a waste manager you know, and as a waste management company. Father of three now, aging, started my company uh, as a single man with support from my wife, now father of three trying to be a little better, wiser, uh, as age passed by. And yeah, that is how Karmenthan is. Hmm. So you have talked about some of the challenges in meeting your family's expectations and also probably the society. You know, uh, Now globally, there are a lot of opportunities, uh, business opportun opportunities from waste. But when you started 10 years ago, back then in Bhutan, I'm sure you have faced, with, faced uh, some of the um, resistance. Yes, I was. Uh, even today, I must say, you know, uh, many people do not look or our sector or, you know, because there's no dignity in this job, you know, people feel that way. Of course, we are trying to promote, you know, but uh, 
this is a sector where you know people out of desperations are walking walking in it, right? People who are deprived of everything is actually forced to work in this sector. This is how people have perceived it, and that is how it was before. So when I ventured out <coughs> as a waste manager, uh, even my own uh, surroundings were reluctant. You know, they were hesitant because they felt that this is an industry that uh, it's not my industry. But I really wanted to change that. You know, and I had doubts. Even sometimes I used to have self-doubt. You know, when people used to tag our our industry as a very you know, neglected industry. But I'm happy that we're able to change the perception. And I'm more happy to share with the viewers here that today we have 19 registered waste management companies in Bhutan. And they're all, some of them are, you know, uh, master's degree graduate, you know, uh, some of them are doing extremely well, some somewhere in uh, postgraduate uh, in uh, teachings, you know, from Samsi. So they have ventured out. And I think this, this industry is now getting, you know, little dignity that it deserved, you know. Definitely. I think you used a very powerful word, dignity. You know, I, I think uh, waste management of people who are in that business, they are integral part of creating a harmonious um, society. And I still remember um, one article I read many years ago, the airport in Charles de Gaulle in Paris, you know, the cleaners went on strike and we we couldn't continue operating the airport even for two hours. But when the managers went on strike, the business went as usual. You know, this, this really shows how integral it is to have waste handlers and waste managers uh, who are really making our lives livable, isn't it? Yes, la. and in Bhutan's case, at least, you know, the cleaners are never going to go on strike, which is a good thing. But we will amicably you know, work with the government and try to draw enough attention which our sector or people in my sector or this sector deserves, you know, because we feel, as, as you rightly mentioned, you know, it's a very important, uh, important lot of people, you know, working 14 to 16 hours stretch, you know, taking the ownership of the city, taking the ownership of the environment. Well, everybody takes the ownership of the environment, right? Uh, but taking the ownership of the job responsibility that many have, uh, forgotten or many do not want to take that they deserve huge respect I feel. Indeed, indeed and I was reading the National uh, Waste Inventory Survey from last year and I, I learned that there are 250 plus individuals yes. in the waste business at the moment. I know you work very very closely with your fellow uh, waste handlers yes. across <laughs> the country. What are the benefits of your having very tightly knit sort of support network. You are at the end of the day in business, but instead of competing, yes, uh, what really inspires me is that you support each other to really build the industry around the waste. Yeah, I must say, you know, there was a time when I felt that uh, this industry belongs to me, you know. Because then maybe I was being very naive or arrogant in those days, you know, as an entrepreneur, I felt like this industry belongs to me and I should be able to control this industry. That is what I felt. But now having been in this industry for almost 10 years, you know, a decade, I realized this is an industry that I cannot solve all by myself. Mm -hmm. This is an industry where everybody has to work together. Everybody has to take ownership, you know. And the, the currently we are trying to build this uh, network of waste, hand, waste handlers. We are naming it as, we are referring it ourselves as a waste handlers association of Bhutan. Of course, not officially endorsed, 
But uh, recently having uh, audience from a uh, foreign minister, we feel like we got acknowledged, that is how we felt. Uh, this this uh, handles association, you know, the reason for us to form this association is we really wanted to understand, you know, how things are and we really wanted to share the ground realist, realities to the people across the table because especially when it comes to policy makers, you know, um, it's easy for the desktop research work, right? But we wanted to offer them what is the ground realities. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, we formed it. And we had our first, first conference held by ourselves, organized ourselves on 30th March 2019, last year in Wongdi, Baju. And this year we had recently. We were supposed to have a big program actually on uh, 8th of March, mm -hmm. but since the COVID was announced on 6th March, we had to postpone that. And we recently had our gathering. And the reason for us to have a better network is we are all, we feel that we are all subjected to, uh, you know, the market forces and market forces sometimes is not fair. So we wanted to create, a, we wanted to create a platform whereby we are not deprived of the fear market yeah. informations or shares. That is how we So you talked about the importance of having a team, having partnerships to achieve your dream. Uh, I want to ask you about your team in Greenaway. You have a group of 70 plus, yes, as uh, mentioned earlier, Waystanders working with you. Um, I would imagine um, it's not easy to run a company with such large number of young, mainly young people, and I understand majority of them are women. Yes, uh, so what are your, the challenges you face? And I also hear that you, um, you have had some challenges in retaining the team members and uh, uh, also uh, keeping up the motivation, uh, morale in the team and so forth at the initial stage. Would you like to share some uh, For now, lessons? you know, having uh, 72, of course, this number fluctuates because we are not able to, you know, our retention rates are not so well, I must say, you know, uh, because as I said, this is not an attractive industry, nor are we able to incentivize them or, you know, boils down to incentive, incentives, right? So we are not able to give them the perks sometimes they deserve because this industry itself is very, uh, in terms of returns, it's not so attractive, you know, it takes time. And for us being the pioneer in this industry too, uh, we, we know that we, and I personally aspire, you know, my Greenaway, we aspire to be, you know, a company of 21st century, you know, we want to have that inclusive growth, you know. Uh, but it's not happening. Uh, we have our own shares of difficulties. And have, as said, you know, having to manage 72 people, and as said, this is a sector where we are not able to, you know, not many people wants to work. So we, this lot of people is very from diverse field. Some of them are from broken families. Some, some of them are recovering addicts. Only our truckers and the people who are going for collections, I must say they are, okay, they, they're well, they're good, right? But people who are into segregations are mostly ladies, and we have boys down there who, who are into recycling. It's very difficult. I have to make my presence. And as a leader, you know, as sometimes as a leader, uh, in Buddhist context, our HRs are uh, human resources, not up to the standard, you know. And of course, we as a Buddhist also, in some way, lack that uh, ownership of the company, right? Mm -hmm. So willingness to work without supervision is we have to be we have to supervise almost all the time. So in, in my, you know, every daily conduct, you know, I have to div divide myself into three fractions, you know, sometime. Uh, first hour, I'm with the office work, then after, after lunch, you know, at two to five in the evening, till eight sometime, uh, with now with the COVID duty, uh, you know, as I'm talking here, my guys are actually on duty just now collecting waste. So 
I, I become part of collection team. Then at night we have this recycling team. It's very difficult to manage, but we have been building this. Uh, I almost every time I try to invest my time with them, try to understand them, and that is how I think I'm able to. You know, for for now I'm able to retain them. We share a very close bond with them. And when mentioned about you know retention in those days. Uh, our company is still struggling. I must say, we're still a struggling company. We are not that top-notch company that is having good dividends for now, because we have always believed in reinvesting. Or because this sector itself is a capital-intensive industry, right? So there's a lot of reinvestments to be done. So those days, now we had we had some personal. Uh, I mean, like me as a CEO, had uh, you know, I wasn't able to retain people because we, we did fail to pay on time, but we have never made a mistake of not paying them. We have paid everybody, actually. They're, they're in Bhutan today. Nobody can actually say, you know, Karmen, you know, we haven't paid. We have paid them. Of course, we took time. Sometimes it happens, right? Even economy suffers sometimes. We, as a struggling company, we will suffer. So that, that sort of uh, problems that we have been through, but we have managed thus far. So it really does take a lot of hard work and the strong leadership. Yeah, hard work. We, we give ourselves 14 to 16 hours. I think it's a very good stretch of hours that we're giving. Uh, my team who are involved in collection, they also give their long hours of effort, you know. Uh, during monsoon time, it is terrible time. We have to work for very, very long hours in the landfill, you know. The infrastructures are not so well, so we, we have been working hard. And mm. if somebody really wants to know what is work, hard work or working hard, you should come and visit Greenaway. You will understand the reality, you know, the difference what's real hard work and I must say not only Greenaway people who are working uh, who are actually sweeping the streets or who are working clearing the drains mm -hmm. these people are working real hard and you talked about the 21st century uh, company uh, you know I think your company is not just a profit-making company it's really a social enterprise uh, if I may call it you you are there you're driven by purpose and uh, um, when we talk about the corporate social responsibility the definition has, you know, evolved uh, drastically in the past uh, decade or so, just from just focusing on giving charity or donations to certain causes. But you are really engaging the vulnerable segments of the popula population uh, to be part of your production uh, chain and so forth. So I think it's really a new model that everybody should be looking up to. This took me time to explain people what is social enterprise, you know. Yeah. Uh, when we first uh, launched ourselves, after inception, you know, we went to offices, we went to see a lot of donor agencies where we were tagged as a profit-making company, you know. And I used to emphasize them, you know, I used to repeatedly tell them, you know, not only profit, let's talk about social dividends. Mm -hmm. The better we are, the better the city is going to look like. This is what I've been always trying to convince and it took us time. Now, now people started understanding, which I'm very happy, you know. Uh, of course, we lost our chance. <laughs> But these are takeaways that we as our pioneers have to appear and we are happy that now we are accepted as a social enterprise. Mm -hmm. and this social enterprise needs to be encouraged. We need a lot of social enterprise, this is what I believe, and we are happy that we were part of it. So now let's look at the other side of social dividends, uh, public dividends. You know, you are doing your utmost efforts to contribute to the betterment of the society. But at the same time, I, I keep hearing from Bhutanese friends that the problems of littering, uh, waste management uh, um, are becoming uh, more and more challenging. Uh, 
uh, I think Bhutan is at the stage where we can still reverse yes, the trend. We are not, uh, we are not there yet uh, to the extent that we have hit the point of no return. We can still do a lot to um, avert the uh, the um, the future that you know uh, the many big cities around the region in the region um, uh, faced with. So, what can we done about uh, promoting uh, good practices of three R's? Right. Three R's are basically uh, reduce, reduce waste, uh, reuse, reuse the materials you have, and recycle. That's the mm -hmm. business you are in. Mm -hmm. What can be done? Uh, well, I speak more as a member of the Bhutanese community. What can we do to contribute to the common goal of waste management? Uh, I may sound too optimistic here. We are not late. And whatever we are, whatever we have been claiming for as a Green Bhutan is not bio-efforts, you know, it has been through tremendous conservation efforts that has been already in place, strategic policies in place that we have practiced for ages uh, with the far-sighted visions of our monarchs. You know. We have achieved that as a <coughs> Green Bhutan. When it comes to litter, it's time for us to work on now. Because we may, we may tarnish that image of Green Bhutan, you know, yes. considering the litters around just now. But as I said, it's not late. Uh, we can improve. It is a subject that uh, requests the involvement of the society as a whole. Ownership has to be taken by everybody. The tragedy of commons, you know, in, at least in environmental work. Uh, people have been working in isolations. That is how this government started focusing on waste management recently, right? And we are ha very, very happy that now the present government is going for flagship for waste management. It is going to be an exciting time, this is what we believe, because without having that flagship also, we have managed to educate quite a lot. But now having flagship in place, since everybody, every, we, have, we had this lot of institutional barriers, you know, people working in isolations, people weren't able to come together. And in terms of waste management, to address the waste management issues, we need to have mosaic-like approach, you know. It's like not doing in little bits and pieces everywhere, you know, we need to come together, right? And as I said, Waste management has not only about solid waste management, no or municipal solid waste management. It it reaches to the you know from construction waste to infectious waste to so many things, right? Uh, this needs the involvement, and as I said, you know, with this flagship, we hope that uh, we'll be able to collectively work on it. Kermayan cannot do it. Greenway cannot do it. Tibetan they cannot do it. You know, or if you work in isolation, right? But if you work, come together, work together. The NGOs, the CSOs for you know awareness, education, the private sector, public sectors, the financial institution. If we come together, then this is something we can really address. And you know we need to create this you know extensively intense education programs for the reductions. You know, just now the is a pity side. If you go to the landfill, mm -hmm. it's very pity side. You know, uh, is it's better than what it used to be before because things have improved. But still, I must say, it's pity side. Uh, uh, we have been dependent to a lot of uh, everything we have been importing, right? So we need to educate our people for reductions, you know, so that this import substitutions or the, that is coming in a package has to be reduced. Education plays an important role. Uh, that is for reduction, I must say. And reusing, yeah, people have started reusing now the, the, the brewery bottles, and uh, some products are getting reused. And recycling, we have been exploring ways to recycle now. Mm -hmm. 
So I understood that 172 metric tons of waste is generated a day yes, in Bhutan. Lah. And half of that is organic waste, which has huge potential for composting. Right? I know some of your fellow waste handlers are in that business. And then following that is uh, plastics and other recyclable materials. So I do see uh, a huge potential for us to yes. overall reduce the amount of waste going to the landfill. Yeah, the recent survey when they said it is 172, 179 tons, when we say numbers, it looks so simple, right? Yes. But let me explain something here. You know, if you go by the truckload, it is 57 to 57 to 60 truckloads of garbage yeah. by a small country like ours. You know, that's a huge volume. Where are we going to dump it? Yeah. So, going by the number of trucks, that's huge. 57 to 60 truckloads. You know, 172 to 79 truckloads of garbage we are generating daily. Well, that is just municipal solid waste. But thanks for making it real. I, I totally agree with you. For me, until I visited your recycling plant and Memlaka, this really didn't come home to me. So seeing it was uh, so educational, and I really promised to myself that I have to do something about this with partners. Can you explain a little bit about how your recycling plant works for the benefits of uh, the audience <coughs> who hasn't had a chance to visit you? Thank you for giving me this opportunity to talk about my sorting plant or a garbage uh, recovery plant, you know. This material recovery facility, that is how it is termed actually, uh, this facility is not designed by an expert. Hmm. It's not you came designed. up with it. It, it <laughs> came up all by ourselves, you know. Wow. We actually worked on it. So we had made a lot of errors. We are still troubleshooting the errors, you know. And without having the technical know-how, but this is I must say, this is all because of our interest that we have built this. Today, our, it's not automatic. We, we, I can say it's semi-automatic, semi you know. We have this conveyor belts in place, mm -hmm. and, and the reason for us to have a conveyor belt in place and to build a big structure for our people, our colleagues to work under it is, uh, we want to give dignity to our job, as I said, right? We need our people to, we want our people to be protected from bad weather. We don't want them to walk in the landfill, you know, burning themselves with the heat, sometimes with the, you know, uh, with the bad rain, right? So we built that with that intention. And the, re the second reason for us to send the, our garbage in a conveyor system is things become easier for them, you know, it becomes a very light job for them to recover. To so sort that, them out, to right? Sort, to sort it. But aren't they sorted at home first or you have to still sort them, right? We have to sort it. Our, uh, our plant, when we go by this uh, technical, you know, references, it's called single, single stream waste management, you know. Mm -hmm. So single stream recycling plant. It's one stream. Everything comes in that stream. It's just that there's uh, degradable waste and dry waste, green and uh, recyclables, right? Recyclable comes there, but it comes everything together recyclable. We haven't go to that detail of hazardous or glass waste separately. That's the reason we are very happy with uh, the current flagship. Uh, flagship program or the government's plan of introducing the hazardous waste now, the three yes. bin culture. You know, this is going to this is going to help us a lot because people working in the downstream are exposed to the threats of this hazardous waste. Mm. So sorting out the, at source—that's the terminology, right? It's yes, so critical and really help your and your team's work uh, yes, make it much easier, isn't it? Mm. It's very difficult because uh, in the waste stream also, as we said, dry. We always have this uh, certain section of society who do not uh, follow, right? 
So we do end up getting even orga organic waste in our waste room sometimes. So I tell people, you know, uh, it's not because of our, you know, the campus is dirty that, that there are a lot of houseflies. It is because of you people, some people in the society, who is actually, you know, mixing all that waste together and mm -hmm. dumping it in the recyclable, and that recyclable coming in our waste stream, bringing a lot of, uh, you know, organic waste even in the waste stream. Yeah, but according to the survey, national survey, eight in 10 households do segregation on a source, right? Yes, ma'am. So what happens after that? And some, some of my Bhutanese friends are hinting uh, that, you know, maybe tighter regulation or some uh, sticks uh, wouldn't be needed to enforce these uh, practices and uh, law. I mean, what's your view about that? Yeah, I, I will come back to mentioning about uh, Clean Singapore campaign here. Uh, Clean Singapore campaign started in, if I'm not mistaken, 1969 or 68. You know, and that was a collective effort of everybody. The yeah. government came on board declaring all out, saying that we're going to go for Clean Singapore campaign. Anybody littering will be imposed heavy penalty. But before doing that, almost for a month, government went for intense awareness. Household, every level of society was educated. And then they placed everything in place so that people have the convenience to discard their waste. Similarly, if we have to introduce such uh, stick approaches, before uh, introducing stick approaches, we will have to provide conveniences like drop-off center. Our collection schedules has to be perfect uh, that people, every household does get this door-to-door -door collection. And even if they happen to miss out, then there's some drop-off centers to discard their waste. Even after providing all these facilities, if our people, then, then of course for that 20% 20, 20 of the society, we need to improve, introduce this stick approach. And I'm sure to do good things, we can do a stick approach. We, we have to introduce stick approach. There's no wrong in doing right thing with, you know, with right, for, for right thing to go with the stick approach. I mean, it's all about the change the behavior of a human being. It's really building a culture of approaching things very differently. And it does take time. Um, yeah, also, uh, Greenaway will not want to take the credit of uh, making the source segregation possible, you know. When we started the collection, when we first took over the, as a service provider in this capital city, of course it was a joint effort between Timputromde and us to introduce this source segregation. So that way, Never in the history of Bhutan so segregation was happening till 2015. We introduced that in 2015. And now I believe it is possible. Our people are willing to. But uh, it is a capital-intensive industry. Yeah. For that reason, I think even uh, the government has to provide all necessary supports. Mm. Because for me as an entrepreneur, I can't do it, I can't do it because this is an industry that is uh, requires volume, big investment, right? And I'm not able to do it. So thereby, I think government also needs to play certain rules, and it is possible. We, I see hope, you know, when I see people here, you know, at least, at least things are happening in Bhutan, and as you rightly mentioned, you know, we are not late. We can really champion this, and we can make this a litter-free society. Our king and the good citizen of this country envision to have a litter-free society, right? Yes. So we can achieve that. Yeah, I, I remember His Majesty's very powerful words that uh, or having an organized and clean society is part of nation building. Sure. So you have really repeatedly mentioned that we all have to come together. It's not something Greener Way or Loading UNDP Partnership can do. It has to be whole of society yeah, we, uh, approach, but, isn't it? Yes, but have, but have, uh, there are a lot of, lot of cases where we have, you know, 
we can prove that Buddhists can come together. Uh, on record, I must say again here, Buddhists have come together, you know, by planting 49,672 tree saplings, you know, at, in one hour. We broke the record, right? Mm. We have come together. Yeah. It was for the, for Buddhists, right? And even just now in the COVID situation, our people are being very cooperative. We could see that positive sign. We come together for a good cause. Even for waste management, if we, I'm sure they will understand if we tell them how their mismanagement, mismanaged garbage is going to go in the, uh, in the downstream of waste, in the waste stream, right? So people will be able to understand. So what do you think about the uh, plastic ban attempts, right? Um, I think I understand Bhutan has attempted a few times. I've been always refraining to talk about this. Uh, it's not a solution because we do not have alternative. Hmm. Maybe I understood it wrong because when we are saying plastic ban, we, may, we, we could have actually educated our people what sort of plastics actually, right? What sort of plastic we want to ban. Later when I get to hear that it was single-use uh, single carry bags and the straws and all, but people misunderstood it as a general plastic. Mm. And when we talk about plastic, general plastic, everything is coming in the form of plastics, right? So, and moreover, if you, even if you want to ban that uh, plastic carrier bag, we cannot do, because we do not have alternative. Having, that, having banned that plastic, nobody has the clue what is coming in the waste stream just now. I, I, I can at least say that after the plastic ban was introduced, we started getting some different weird carry bags, you know? That cotton or plastic fiber, that white plastic bag with a lot of polysters. Can they be recycled? I'm worried. I don't think it is because it's mixed. It's blend of so many materials. Mm. It's something like tetra packs. It's blend of all materials, and we are not able to. We do not know what in which category that plastic belongs to. So at least in carry bag, we could refer it as a single-use carry bag or a low-density polyethylene, right? One term we understand scientifically chemical pro property. We understand is as one plastic. But now having banned that, we are getting that one uh, polyester or cotton fiber is there, plastic is there, thin and it's like all plain fabric. It's mentioned go green, but I doubt seriously, you know, and we have no alternative for that. And for now, we have been getting that in good big volume. So the plastic normally, what happens to plastic in your, after they are sorted out in your recycling plant? Do they uh, get converted to uh, some other reusable materials? I have heard about the electric pole. Yeah, finally, poles, finally after right? 10 years of our attempts uh, venturing as a waste management company, we were able to come up with an electric fencing pool. The reason for us to come up with a pool or rod, I must say, was that plastic, the one that we are making the pool just now, we are using all sorts of plastics to make that. And we are recycling. Today, Greenaway has a capacity to recycle two tons of plastics every day. Per day? Wow. There's a big volume. And Which would translate into how many poles a day? It depends again. Uh, pole comes in different sizes. Hmm. So we have the 600 poles we can go in a day. Wow. Uh, some, some poles weigh for 7 kilograms, some we have 13 depending on the way, but we have the capacity to weigh, uh, recycle two tons of plastic waste. And plastic, I will not say waste management is a problem. I think is waste is not a problem, honestly. It's an asset for you, right? <laughs> In a way, it's <laughs> no, your no. business for you. I'll say waste is not a problem. The problem is just how we manage. Correct, yes. How we manage is the problem. Waste is never a problem. And this is something that will never go away. It is with us. So long human beings are there, there's going to be waste as always, you know. 
We cannot uh, talk about zero waste society or you know uh, zero waste vision because with us there is waste, right? It, it all boils down to how we manage it. And so waste, waste management in that way, I think, uh, plays a very important role. So you talked about uh, having to live with waste. Then now the buzzword today is having to live with COVID, COVID-19. And I hear uh, you are in the uh, business of um, um, uh, handling uh, many, uh, waste from the quarantine centers. And I also understood your business is a little bit affected by uh, the COVID uh, uh, crisis in terms of the disruption of uh, supply uh, of materials and so forth, right? Can you talk a little bit about uh, how the COVID is affecting your business? Our sector, our sector is also equally hit, you know. But we are accepting it. In fact, we are confronting this challenge as an opportunity also for us. That's the reason waste handlers can come together just now. There have been recent articles about you know, scrappers not lifting up the recyclable cardboards or recyclable items because there's a sealed in the border town, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it can create geopolitical issues also, honestly. So waste can go to that level. Today the West is exploring, the West, Western part of the world is exploring other countries to dump their waste. I'm sorry, that is reality, right? And China has actually decided to ban, yes. stopped, you know, importing waste. India is doing that. Money, Philippines is doing that. Vietnam's are doing that. Every country is banning that. Similarly, last year, 1st of March 2019, government of India said, we are going to ban the import of scrap trading. There's no transboundary scrap movement. It, is, it was illegal. But considering the negligible volume that we put in this export, things were Actually, you know, it was illegal though, but it was considered, right? So there are possibilities for these geopolitical issues, right? So similarly, when there is a ban today or sealed, people are saying we are all we are all equally suffering, right? But this, I think, is also giving an opportunity for people at the other side of the table to think about it now. Recycling, recycling has to be done. We need to have we need to have in within country recycling plants. Mm. So it's all about also a bit like the um, agricultural uh, efforts, you know, to have sufficient production within the country to ensure self-sufficiency. Mm -hmm. So for waste management, recycling, the same can be said to an extent. Let's have the capabilities and facilities within the country to manage uh, yes, the recycling. Or at least our own waste. Yes, so for that to happen, what are the gaps in the current uh, ecosystem for the entrepreneurs uh, in the waste uh, management sector, but the, in, in general in the waste business. That's the reason I'm. I would say we uh, we uh, have huge respect for this waste management program. You know, they, as we were going through, you know, we were recently briefed about waste management flagship, and we get to see there's a revolving fund for waste mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. You know, so thereby you know, the cost of capital will be lesser than what is today what market is offering or the financial institutions are offering. In fact, in financial institution, you know, maybe being a pioneer, I did wrong that, you know, uh, I did wrong that my friends were also deprived of good, you know, access to a loan, you know, because uh, we were defaulters. I was a precarious borrower, you know, and we didn't do well because, as I said, it, it is in an in, uh, industry that is attractive, right? But with this flagship, uh, we see there's a big revolving fund. That's the reason we want to bridge this all entrepreneurs. Because today raw materials are all widespread, you know, all across the country. 
from the blocks to the gearworks to the uh, small towns to zonghaks to municipalities. We have to all bring together. Maybe then, by then, you know, we can calculate on the, uh, the, the, the availability of the raw materials. That way only is possible. And if you can really get access to the uh, access to finance at lesser cost of capital, there are a lot of possibilities for small-time uh, recycling plants that we can really work on. Mm. YDF, YDF have shown that, you know. Mm. Today, YDF has an egg tree recycling plant, right? Yes. It is recycling almost 10 to 12, 10 to 10, 10 12, sometimes to, to the extent 15 tons. And they we, can't we, meet the demands, I hear. Yes, no, we so supply them with paper, right? Yes. 10 to 15 tons of paper YDF is consuming. We have another one in Gelifu who is already doing recycling of egg trays only from waste paper. We have in some Zonkar, some mm -hmm. we have somebody coming up in Thimpu, right? So there are a lot of scope for small industries to set up, you know. And the scope for, you already shared some of the examples of a circular economy, isn't it? True. We, we need to promote the circular economy. Mm -hmm. we, this extraction to disposal is not sustaining. Mm -hmm. Somewhere I read if we go by the current, you know, our consumption pattern, we are doomed by 2050, you know. Yes. Even the, the uh, landfill is uh, filling up very quickly. Yes, la. Mm -hmm. So, in that way, I feel personally feel that circular economy has to be promoted. And when we said circular economy, there are a lot of uh, other economical activities, you know, job creation, social, uh, social uh, goods that we can deliver. Mm. Composting is also one of those examples, isn't it? Yes, like composting. Uh, now, now that you know our government is going organic, which we have been mm. promoting hard, there is possibility for a composting plant, and we get to hear that uh, there are some proponents already working on working for composting, which is a good sign. We are very happy, and these are things that is achievable if there is no segregation. So I was reading some of your. Um I would say private companies working in a waste sector, you know, uh, coming together, outlining the challenges in the sector. They were, this was all uh, documented in the National Waste Inventory Survey last year. Mm -hmm. So you have already touched on a few, uh, few, few points, segregation of waste at source, access to financing. And one point which I found interesting was giving opportunities to private sectors, basically outsourcing waste-related activities to private sectors. <laughs> How is it going? What is the environment like? Of course, the uh, private sector is involved and the model that Timpu Tromde and private sector we are working, uh, we are working just now is appreciated and applauded by other Zonkaks, other districts, other waste handlers. But we still see a lot of scope or a lot of areas where we can better, the, uh, better our relations or better the conditions for us as well. The terms of, uh, you know, I cannot take the ownership of the garbage just now, honestly, I cannot take this ownership because if I take the ownership of the garbage, so long I was trying to take the ownership of the garbage, right? But we are not given the full ownership, if, even if, if I have to take the ownership of the, of the trash in town, you know, I'm not given full ownership because everybody will claim the ownership, everybody is working in their own different uh, isolations and taking the ownership, right? So if things have to be done, somebody has to be made accountable, you know? Today, I, only when there's problem, Karmayantin will be called or you know, I'll be made accountable, you know. Mm. So, so that way we have to improve our relations. And giving opportunity to private sector, you know, private sector cannot invest in an industry which is, which has been just contracted for two years or three years, mm. right? The current, uh, the current contract that I, I and Tromde have pinned is for two years. 
by 2021 our contract expires after 2022 i do not know what I, what i am supposed to do right because if i have to think of solid waste management as a uh, as my you know something that i really have to detail planning has to be done then there has to be a real longer contract terms right then i can think of 2023 2024 or 2030 right but just now the, even the by contract obligations you know i am just for 2021 this is mm-hmm. one and a half year and at least in 2 years time i'm trying to give whatever i am because i've been the pioneer in this industry <laughs> so you know when a friend asked me so after this brutal dialogue focusing on waste management what do you want to achieve then i said well we can't come up with the the solutions to a very complex challenge of waste management in 45 minutes in an hour but i was really hoping that the young people get inspired by you and deeper knowledge of what's happening in the waste management sector and also be part of the solution right yes so um you kept talking about ownership common you think can be uh, the only king of uh, waste mm-hmm. uh, everybody has to have yes. ownership so for young people to take ownership uh, ranging from uh, stop uh, littering in the forest uh, beer can or uh, you know along the high, uh, the trekking routes and so forth you see you know s- small wrappers uh, everywhere uh, to segregating waste at home or becoming an entrepreneur like you in the waste sector um what would be your message to inspire young people uh i've been i've been telling this uh there are a lot of things that we can really do for country uh i've been always telling them to work hard be observant enough to see the problems of the country understand the geopolitics we need to understand how fragile we are you know how far we have reached and we have to take individual moral responsibility as well to be a good putness you know when i'm saying good putness we need to understand the putness way of you know thinking you know which uh, i think many young putness are now getting carried away of course i'm amazed by the spirit or the you know enthusiasm or the putness qualities that a putness possesses but we can still improve that and yeah just be putness you know think of society as a large let us be part of the solutions you know not part of the problems Is that what you tell to your children? I yeah. see a lot of your son uh, coming along to your uh, awareness raising workshops and so he's he's mightly uh, inspired by you and proud of you. Uh, I would want him to be as he is but yes definitely certain uh, certain informations or certain things I advise to him and maybe because I am dealing with the garbage that my kids can thoroughly segregate their garbage bag, you know. <laughs> is the best thing that has happened in my life you know my kids and my family now my father mother you know my immediate family they they does their garbage segregation at you know at very skill level you know so mm-hmm. so they are inspired by you and in turn they are also inspiring others in the schools and communities for others to follow their uh, practices in it yes i i take my son to landfill uh, as grown up mm-hmm. uh, i show him how we are working because i think he needs to understand and I, I when i heard my son and his classmates were going to the landfill you know everybody was covering their face and you know nose and you know nobody was comfortable there and class teacher saying that oh pemanamdil was very cool with it you know so so it was it was 
it was very good news for me, you know, I could understand that, okay, he knows that, what's the reality, you know. Yeah. So uh, that way I think our young people need to visit Landfield. Mm -hmm. Do you organize uh, visits to your workshop in Landfield or Yes, love. Whenever, whenever Greenaway is approached for educational awareness programs, we have never declined any school. Uh, we have always, we have shown our interest in meeting young people. We would love to host young people. We would like to tell them how, where their garbage is going, how it's being handled, what happens after their, you know, post-stream, post-waste stream, yeah. So when the young people or, or you know, colleagues uh, or members of the community come to your uh, workshop, what surprises them most? Of course, the volume that we handle, you know, daily. Mm. So 25 tons, you know, as I said, 25 tons of garbage that we're collecting today, when we go by the number, it's very simple, right, 25. Yes. But if you, if you really see, it's huge volume. 25 tons is a huge volume, you know, piled in one uh, tipping space. From there, you know, it, then we'll have a, a backhoe to fit it in a conveyor system. It, moves. It, it, it is a huge volume and we handle it every day. So this, this, when we show them the 25 tons at one shot, they realize, and we always tell them, this is half that what you are say, what actually the city generates. Yeah. So these are things that is being very informative to them. Mm. I was looking at the data, on average, uh, about 0.23 kilograms of waste is generated per person or so. Yes, but sir. if you look at how the majority of Bhutanese population is a rural area and only 15%, if I'm not mistaken, of the rural population have some sort of access to waste collection services, you know. As Timpu grows bigger, as more cities come up, this is a problem that we really have to tackle at this it's point, isn't it? Spreading to north, south, every side, you know. And this needs a lot of attention. Just now there is some judicial uh, territorial issues even between, you know. That's the reason I say, you know, who takes the real ownership? Nobody takes it the real ownership because everybody is doing their part. The, the, the Zonkhawks administration will do their part, Tromde will do their part, but it's time they have to come together and address the real cause, you know. Uh, and you're hopeful that the flagship program will sort of provide a platform to bring everybody together, uh, government we may be late if We may be late if we don't do it now. Mm. Of course we are not late now. But going by the current generations, you know, waste generation trend, we'll, we'll be late. For now, if I have to tell, we are just talking about solid municipal solid waste. What about the battery waste? Nobody is thinking about it, you know, I'm very worried about it. Mm -hmm. We have been promoting electric vehicle like, wow, we everywhere electric vehicle, government incentivizing it, uh, people borrowing it, finance, access to finance has been very easy to procure uh, electric vehicle. But who's going to manage that electric vehicle battery? Mm -hmm. Nobody's thinking about it, you know. Now, I was actually going to ask you, uh, among all the, you know, the wide range of different types of waste you, you, you collect, you know, yes, there must be some types of waste that worries you the most. And the battery is one. Uh, what are the upcoming yes, uh, waste that would really keep you awake at night? <laughs> the CND, something called construction and demolition. Mm. So many constructions happening in this city. Never this city is going to be intact or, you know, clean. Even if the municipal solid waste collection is perfect and thoroughly clean, we will by default see this construction and demolition waste everywhere and this is this will, you know, we cannot say we are a little free society when we have a lot of CND waste all around. Mm. This is something that I worry a lot. They have been invading public spaces like playing and dumping everything on the highways, you know. So those are also uh, byproducts of some of the challenges that are associated with rapid urbanization and yes, growth, uh, isn't yes, it? Uh, as Bhutan becomes more urbanized, modernized, uh, 
the faces of uh, waste challenges change very rapidly. Yes. Mm. Now it's growing complex. Earlier, maybe in 10 years, 20 years, 15 years ago, it wasn't so complex. Very simple ways to use to generate. Mm. But now we are, we are also part of that developed world, right? And when I'm saying developed world, we have access to everything that the developed countries has access to, right? We're getting everything, right? So our waste components are getting complex. Mm. It is getting complex, and this is something to worry about. We need to work. That's the reason I said mosaic like approach is required now. We have to. Yeah, when the, comp the problem is so complex, it requires multiple stakeholders coming yes, together. Sir. Yes, sir. And also, you, you have talked about experimentation, trying new things um, here and there. Um, can you share some of the uh, examples of the experimentation you are running or you have run? A social experiment. Uh, the one that was, that Mutitang, we had a junction where people were polluting all the time. You know, everybody used to drop the garbage there on the right on the highway. That is a place where all the tourists will be moving around, you know, that is the road that takes to Takung uh, Zoo and all. And that area used to get polluted. And the social experiment for us, what we did was we actually, we cleaned that area, planted some trees, and just now nobody is disposing. So, so we realized it works if we, you know, our, our people understand that. So that is one case. And similarly, the plant that is just now managed by Tromde, the drop-off center, near Kelki School, opposite to Kelki School, above Thai Temple, people are going for social segregations, you know, because they, in that center they have these glassways, paperways, uh, kinds of different waste bins, right? So people are, and that way I must say, it is possible with social experiments. Mm -hmm. We are confident that it, it will work. So you talked about uh, being an inspiration for your children and for your community. I want to ask you, what inspires you and what keeps you going, despite all the challenges you talked about, right? Access to financing, uh, some of the perceptions that are not very helpful, uh, the difficulty in putting a team together and keeping it uh, together and motivated and so forth. What keeps you going? What is uh, your inner honestly, yeah, uh, strength coming from? I see my kids. I see their future. Mm. I see my colleagues working with me at uh, grassroots, you know. They're the bottom of the pyramid people, you know. Mm. People working with me. And that, that, that society. And in my team, I have people who have worked with me from day one. They have not lost their hope to, with me, you know. They still trust me. They're going strong. And I think I cannot betray them. I have to go strong. So this has kept me moving, moving hard, pushing hard. So I have to do things for them now because they have given their life to me, right? Mm. And of course, when, when I was talking about my kids and my kids' future, we have to build our future for them. And you have been also internationally recognized as the entrepreneur of uh, the year and so forth. And Such recognitions does give uh, timely motivations. Mm. And yeah, it ignites, you know, you get extra energy sometimes. It, it does happen. But your real core sort of motivation, inner motivation, comes from the fact that you have a wonderful team who is yes. dedicated, sticks with you, yes. and share uh, share um, a dream yes, uh, with you, isn't it? Yes. So, what is your aspiration? Where do you want to go after this? Now you are a <laughs> successful, or I don't yeah. know if I can say successful businessman, or you are no, self-sustaining no. business no, person, right? Your whole electric, electric, uh, yeah. uh, 
going well. I hear the Ministry uh, of yes, Agriculture is also placing orders and recognize the value of your products and so forth. So what is your next sort of ambition? Next yeah, as I said, you know, we aspire to be a 21st century company, you know, uh, not only waste management company, a company, 21st century company, you know, we, we aspire to be one. And as I said, of inclusive growth, we want to take care of people who are working with us at the bottom of the pyramid, as you said, you know, we have ladies working with us, you know, broken families, the people, the job that can be done by ladies, you know, we have that kind of job, we want to take care of them, a lot of social good, you know, that we want to mm -hmm. deliver. And on record, I must say, I will never be that. Uh, I will always want to be a responsible entrepreneur. Um, I want to be, and, and I dream of being a responsible entrepreneur. Uh, you talked about you know some of the constraints in terms of resources and so forth. But if you had all the tools in your hand, what would be the things you like to do? For your team, especially uh, women entrepreneurs, you know, yeah. uh, women in in general across uh, the globe, uh, irrespective of your profession, are faced with uh, glass ceilings and challenges, right? For your team, for for your uh, women members of your team, what would be the things that you like to do to help I, them? Yeah, PP is something that we have been really focused on. We have accorded highest priority to personal PPE, protection. PPE, personal protection. Equipment, uh, yeah. It's quite an expensive thing for Greenaway to, you know, uh, procure. Of course, we have been, but we would like to give them the best of the PPEs and give them the better living environment. When I'm saying better living environment, we are not able to pay them attractively well, you know. And uh, they don't live in a good place, right? So we have to build a society where we can give them a low housing complex. That is what I've dreamt for. Just now we do have, mm -hmm. but I'm not able to accommodate all, you know. So I wish to you know, do something like this for them, you know so that they will take care and a lot of plans. That's uh, part of giving dignity yes, to your team, isn't it? And I firmly believe what you're doing is full of dignity. And thank, thank you, you so you much for uh, doing what you do. Thank um, you much, I think the Timpu City would not be uh, what it is without your contributions and your team's contributions. Thank so I really much, thank you and hat off to you. Thank you very much, love. We have so many people to thank. Uh, a lot of people walking downstream. Just have to, as I would really emphasize, still on dignity. Something that we need to have. Give respect to these people. Mm -hmm. We need to respect these people. At times we do meet, you know, as we say, 20, 2080, you know, that formula 2080, people who do not segregate. Sometimes our people get ill-treated, you know. So mm -hmm. that's very discouraging. And thereby, you know, they just leave the job and they just say, it's much better to be, you know, jobless than to you know, work under harsh conditions. Please, dignity is something that we would like to request all my viewers, you know. Please treat us well. We are yes. your garbage collector. Don't do that. We'll stop collecting and you'll, you'll leave with the garbage. <laughs> we wouldn't survive uh, with the waste standards, so yes. definitely. There will be somebody to collect the garbage, but if you don't recycle, your mount our mountains will be polluted. Know that. Not being arrogant, I just want to tell people, you know, you need to respect, we need to segregate our trash. Please visit landfill for once. Maybe then you'll understand the current situation, where we are heading. But as I said, we are not late. Let's get it done together. Thank you very much, Amma Susa. Thank you. Is there any question from online? Um, the drop-off center of the greener way in Babisat yes. does not accept waste from lower Babisat area. As the waste collection contract is given to some other contractor, 
In that sense, isn't there a responsibility to facilitate people to take care of waste by dropping off to your center? Uh, this is something I really wanted to answer. Very good, and we know that, you know, we do not accept the reason, it's very simple, you know. That's the reason I said, ownership of the garbage. Today, I have no issues having a lot of players, you know, providing as a service provider. We have a lot of service provider. Somehow, that area where we are based is not our area of, if you go by the contract. And it becomes the mandate of that service provider to make sure that the collection is happening. And when people bring their garbage to us, they say that there's, uh, there's some problem for garbage collection, right? And when they are saying about lower Pabesa, it also reaches to Zonghak areas. And believe me, Zonghak is not providing services. I said that, and this is, this, this is causing problem to me. But I need to make things clear here that that's the reason I was telling that there's territorial issues just now. We have some blocks under Zonkok, some under Tromde, just a stream will divide that. But isn't there a way out we work together? For that reason now, with this flagship, the lower part of Thimpu, Babesa is getting around five, uh, five drop-off centers. Have I answered key? Yeah, yeah. So but your we'll, answer we'll, is they cannot yeah. come to drop off at your they, place? They can certainly, yeah. But can. the problem is segregation is where they're failing. We have strictly mentioned them that you will have to segregate your waste into try and wait. Mm -hmm. So when people fail to un, uh, segregate their trash, this is where we, we were even thinking to write a big notice in our gate saying that this center is meant for only good putness, you know. So for the benefit of the audience, so what would be the good what would the good segregation practice look like? Dry and wet for now. Dry it's and wet. Just kitchen and recyclables. That's it. But somehow, you know, people bring all sorts of waste and they'll say, it is your job to collect, you know. That is where I said we need respect, you know. Please, I'm not saying you'll have to respect us in that way, you know. No, at least respect our profession, respect our handlers, respect our people who are assigned to, you know, request or talk to people, you know. They come and they some, some people just, Say that you know it's your job to collect your say, you are you are you are paid to collect that collect or segregate trash. So people talking uh, some people interested in that way is very demotivating. But I don't want to highlight on it much because we are least bothered about those twenty percent actually. We are happy with the eighty percent of society, you know. Mm -hmm. But some people, of course, they they manhandle us, manhandle our people. You know, it's very discouraging. That's the reason we are not able to retain a lot of helper in our collection team because they get ill-treated, manhandled, you know. I don't want to say it's a good practice, but uh, in my own city where I come from, you know, every week I spend at least 30 minutes to 40 minutes, 45 minutes segregating waste, you know. Otherwise, the city authorities would not pick up <laughs> garbage yes. bags because garbage bags are transparent and we have to put our family name on the, on the garbage bag. So community members know who is segregating right yes. or not. And if it's not segregated right, Simply, they stay there for the following few days, and you know peer pressure from the community. <laughs> so oh, you learn. Yeah. I'm not good. sure saying it's a yeah, good practice. I must say, you know, some people even uh, to the extent they treat us in this way. That, you know, <laughs> if if you don't accept our garbage, we'll just go drive hundred meter away from your site and we'll drop it there. You will have to come and pick it from the road. You know, people threaten us in that way. Mm. It's fun, but.
Mm. We, we, so that's it. we have to have a lot of different approaches. To achieve the national vision and green away's vision in terms of waste in Bhutan, and with all your years of experience as the trash leader, what requests do you have to the government, other institutions, development partners, CSOs, and the public for things to happen as envisioned in the documents? Is capital investment an issue for Greenaway? Is behavioral change an issue? And I'm sure there must be more bottlenecks and issues. We have been subjected to financial and human resource constraint. That is one thing, okay? And Being in this industry, you know, now I, that's, I said, you know, we need to bring people on board. CSOs has to come on board, policy makers has to come on board, financial mechanism has to be drawn, you know. So that is my ultimate suggestion just now for, for all of us, you know. At least we need to come on board, not working in isolation just now. You know, uh, if I have to say just now, there is, there is a kind of, you know, waste from generated by agriculture, this kind of waste generated by uh, electronics, you know. These are all taken care of by different agencies, you know. And have we come together is one question, you know. Maybe we meet once in two years, you know, and then it, it, it vanishes. After two years, the office has changed, you know. So we have to come together and make a real mm. work plan and get it done. Mm. Yeah. What are the channels or process of establishing a social enterprise? Are there clear frameworks and policies in place to establish a social enterprise in our country? No, social enterprise is uh, viewed or, you know, people perceived it as uh, any, uh, any enterprise, actually. Just that we claim ourselves because we there's a lot of the work that we do we have social deliveries you know mm. so actually it's like any other enterprise you know that's how it's taken very well informed uh, audience I'm very impressed by the questions you know but this was a topic of the uh, last year's Befit conference you know yes. uh, business for what isn't it yes and I think as uh, the 21st century business you talked about must have some sort of a social purpose. Otherwise, the consumers or clients would not come with you, right? Uh, that's sort of the mentality of a millennial, the young, upcoming uh, consumer base. They want to see a purpose in business. And as, as Bhutan, uh, in Bhutan, you know, uh, GNH is such a strong part of your yes. social foundation. So yes, I know it comes very naturally. And I've, I always, uh, you know, I also have a frequent interaction with uh, young entrepreneurs and I even tell them, you know, you are social entrepreneurs but you, you're not very good at telling your business side of the story. <laughs> I'm sure you, you say that to me as well. Yes. <laughs> yes, so uh, I know it's naturally ingrained in the spirits and the uh, minds of uh, Bhutanese youth but sometimes uh, narrating that story doesn't come naturally because we are talking about uh, you being shy, for example. No? <laughs> so. Do you think we have a conducive environment for more karma yuntans to enter this field in future? Why? Yes, but to be next karma yuntan, I don't know. It depends on the proponent himself. It's a very struggling, long journey. One must have that perseverance, strong commitment, passion about. So there is huge scope. Even in in terms of recycling industry only, waste management. We have scope for 20 Zonkaks, you know, 20 Karma and then there are already 19, right? We have a lot of blocks, so we do have used scope. Yes, sir. So thank you so much for sharing your passion. <sighs> thank you so much. I, I, I'm sure the audience felt that energy uh, across the uh, uh, internet bandwidth. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I really look forward to interacting more and seeing a greater role of young entrepreneurs in the implementation of the 
uh, waste flagship program, but also creating a better future for, for Bhutan. So thank you so much. So the first book is this. Would you like to say a few words about uh, that? Well, I'll read this and we'll share with you personally. <laughs> Windows to Success, yeah, I was going through... Uh, you have read the book or no, you, la, you I like to, to read? Yes, I would like to read the book, this book, la, Windows to Success. And, yeah. Where did you hear about the book? Just a small research and good uh, reviews. So for an entrepreneur for like me, we thought... So it's uh, your business uh, yes, sort la. of... Uh, Yes. Guidebook, yes. window <laughs> to success. And the second book is, this is re the book you read also, you liked it. No, no, no. Here you go. Smart <laughs> Trust. Would you like to say something about the trust? You can trust Greenaway. We will be there forever. Uh, we would like to be, we would like to be one-stop solutions or take the lead in championing this industry. We'll take care of, yeah, you can trust our services. And also just looking at the subtitle, right? The defining skill that transforms managers into leaders. You have talked a lot about initial trust deficiency yes, with your team yes, and sir. how you have really come about build, rebuilding your team, right? Yes, so trust is an important element of yes, sir, being very a very good important. leader. Yes, sir. This is a book uh, I really enjoyed reading, A Monk's Guide to a Clean House and Mind. Um, and in, in this book it says, May I read? A monk's day begins with cleaning. We sweep the temple grounds and gardens and polish the main temple hall. We don't do this because it's dirty or messy. We do it to eliminate the gloom in our hearts. We sweep dust to remove our worldly desires. We scrub dirt to free ourselves from attachments. Cleaning is greatly valued in Buddhism in general as a way to cultivate the mind. So, on this note, I'd like to end today's conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed having a chat with you, Kalma, and I hope you did as well. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, and thank you to the audience. Kadinchela.